We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at LJ Hybe and on Facebook. This week's guest is Christina Somerville. Christina is what you'd call a corporate refugee. In 2018, she decided to walk away from her 20-year sales and marketing career to better utilize her talents for connecting, connecting well with people and coaching others to, the, to do the same. She launched Convo Connection, a resource of instruction and encouragement to help people have more genuine and enjoyable social connections. She feels passionate about empowering people to believe in their own social self-worth. Every week through her blog, she shares ideas, tips, and best practices for eliminating social awkwardness and self-doubt to make way for projecting social ease and confidence. Because socializing happens all day long, her topics can be easily applied to both personal and professional interactions. Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Lori. Oh man, you're going to have so many great tips. I can just feel it already. <laughs> yeah, I think I've kind of accumulated a few a few things that I think people really respond to. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm just going to come out and ask, why did you decide to leave the corporate world and start Convo Connection? Well, I think in my personal life, um, well, I, I was in sales and marketing for 20 years and in, in my personal life kind of off, you know, offline, I would have friends and colleagues come to me and say, you know, can you help me with the, you know, preparing for this interview, or I got to talk to my boss about this topic, what should I say? Um, and so that kind of happened very naturally. And people really gravitated to like, Oh, gosh, this is so great. I wish you could just come in and talk for me. So I kind of had this natural, I felt like a natural um, inclination for this. But then, um, you know, I actually learning a little bit more about what's going on in society, it kind of, it kind of brought something to me, like, I really want to address this. And, and that is um, uh, things about the loneliness. And so what a lot of people may say, oh yeah, that, that I get that. I get that. But the reality is, is that there's actually this loneliness epidemic that's happening. And this is not something that pertains just to seniors. This is pertaining to every uh, um, spectrum of our society especially young people, which is kind of surprising, um, and even geographically. So it is not something that's happening in America, but there are, there are, there's this epidemic of loneliness in Australia and India and Japan. Um, interestingly enough, the, um, in the UK, they, they um, created an, 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 uh, kind of like a political um, position, a minister of loneliness, because they have such an issue of it in the UK. So anyway, I just was like realizing this, there are these people who are suffering in silence who want to be more social. They want to have connection, but they don't know how, and they kind of feel stage fright about it. And so everybody is like, well, not everybody, a lot of people are just feeling this in isolation and they, you know, they're not, they're not certain of like how to move forward. So I wanted to kind of bring this resource to them to let them know, you know what, you're not alone. And it's okay. And let's talk about some tips and, and methodologies and things you could do to kind of get out of your shell and reach out to others. And everybody wants this. Um, I think they just are afraid of like, what's the first step? 
I think that's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm Thank you. fascinating uh, the the trend that you've identified here that's happening on a global basis. Um, mm-hmm. and and to some extent, I would imagine that social media is a big factor of this. Yes, yes, actually, um, I'm glad you said that. So um, some research that I've done is it a very interesting, but also very disturbing is the advent of the smartphone. they've done they've done uh, data sciences have looked at this. The advent of the smartphone has a perfect correlation with the increase, the, the increase of depression and even attempted and completed suicides of young people. So you have young people who they've grown up now that you kind of have these young people who now are at this stage where their entire lives have been in front of screens and they've never developed the natural social cues that we just naturally have kind of developed for those that you know, predate all this technology of just being with friends and, and developing empathy and making eye contact and kind of reading those cues. And, and with social media, like you said, it's kind of creating this, um, you know, this, this mentality of like, I don't, I don't know how to interact if it's not going to be through a screen. So that's, that's another thing that um, I think a lot of people feel this angst of, well, how do I reach out if I'm not going to type my message? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I, I can totally see that happening in our generation right now. Mm-hmm. And um, it's unfortunate because to some extent, we all love the technology and how it's created efficiencies and course and course and on some level has allowed us to connect more and faster mm-hmm. to more people, but also um, it's only happening digitally. So that real world connection is really being lost. And and obviously there's that sense of wanting, wanting to feel wanted or needing to feel mm-hmm. wanted mm-hmm. that we're missing and, out on. And you're, that's exactly right. And so I, you know, in no way do I advocate like banishing technology that's ridiculous and it's not efficient, <laughs> but it's a matter of how do we, how do we work within both of them? So mm-hmm. is it like you start off in, in a, in a technical world or, a, you know, virtual world and, but then how do you take it offline? Right. So how do you then like take it offline and go have the coffee or go, go on a visit or pick up the phone and have a call so you can hear someone's voice and you can hear, cause you know, when you talk with somebody and you know, and you hear it in their voice, something's just not right. You mm-hmm. can't get that, you know, through typing or on screen. So it's just, there's, it, it's to, to take it to a deeper level or to a wider level, you, you need to take, take it offline. Yeah. So um, it's like, it's really, it is, and it is, you know, the, how do you find the blend of using technology as well as having, getting back to the kind of the basics of interpersonal relationships? Yeah. Yeah. That's good question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so before you left your career to start Convo Connection, you had some interesting twists and turns. Um, after over a decade in the consumer products industry, you actually decided to quit and took an eight-month sabbatical where you traveled to South America. When you returned, you decided to enter this tech industry and move to a new city. How did you handle all of that from this transition to the time off to I'm launching a new career and I'm in a new city, building a new yeah. network? I mean, that's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. And I, I sometimes I say to myself, what are you thinking? I seem to bite off... Uh, more that I can chew, but then I try to make the best of it. But um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. And sometimes I marvel, like, I can't believe I did this. But so um, my husband and I, we, this is back in 2013, we were living in Cincinnati, Ohio at the time. And we, 
we both were like, you know, I don't think this is our scene. Like, I think we were ready to move on, do something else. We had, we had really kind of scraped our way through the, the recession of 2008 and we were just ready to kind of move on. So <clears throat> before we decided to move on geographically, um, both of us kind of made a pack with one another and we said, there were these two things respectively that we, we were working on in our lives that we really wanted to go pursue. Um, and we said, okay, let's go do it. This is the time to go do it. And so for him, he was a graphic designer and he decided he wanted to change careers into software development. Um, and in order for him to do that, he chose to take a very, very intensive um, course boot camp type of program in Chicago for four months. And it was like intense, intense. He's like, it's the, it was the hardest thing he's ever done in his life. And then I, um, I had kind of grown restless in my career and I was like, you know, itching to do something new and expand. And so I had been learning Spanish. So I was like, you know what, I really would love to go see if I got the goods. And so I uh, elected to go to South America for eight months and I stayed with families and I learned more Spanish and I hiked in Patagonia. And it was just a very much like, you know, big time bucket list thing. Um, so in the course of that, we, we did our thing. We are still married. We kind of, that didn't impact our marriage at all. <laughs> People would be like, okay, you got very progressive marriage. Uh -huh. um, but anyway, so after we came back, um, we said, you know what, where do we want to go? And we, because we didn't have jobs and we weren't tied down to anything, we said, okay, let's go live where we want to live. So we headed west to Portland, Oregon, and it was great. And we're like, oh, we love it here. And there's so much to do. But soon enough, you know, we kind of came to this realization like, okay, um, we don't know anybody and we don't have jobs. So something's going to have to change with that. So uh, because Marco, my husband, had uh, gotten into software development and Portland has a pretty vibrant tech scene, mm -hmm. pretty quickly he was able to find work and, and that was great. Um, but me, I had said, okay, I'm going to step away from the consumer packaged goods industry, which is where my legacy career was. And Hey, I, I could try tech, you know, I think I have transferable skills. So I was like, but I don't know anybody. Um, so what I said to myself was like, okay, I'm going to find a network. I'm going to, I'm going to create my own network, not only professional, but I don't know anybody personally. So how about personal too? So I kind of set out on this mission and the way I started was thinking, okay, well, I need to find a thread to at least start pulling on. So who do I know? And so I didn't know anybody personally, but like I knew, you know, it was like a connection of a old colleague or a third connection on LinkedIn or, or whatever. So um, I essentially, you know, created a plan. I, I went on LinkedIn and I said, okay, I'm going to scour LinkedIn. I, I, I say I got on LinkedIn and I never logged off. And I just then started querying on people, you know, at the intersection of where I, you know, geographically where I was, what industry I was going into. And I'd look at these profiles and say, okay, what is the angle? What's the angle to approach these people? And so um, I would put together a very detailed, you know, brief but detailed um, introduction via LinkedIn to say, I'm new in town. I'm looking to get into this industry. Would you be open to meeting with me for a cup of coffee and I'm buying? And I think because I was personalized in it, I had a pretty good success rate. So I would meet with, you know, I met with, you know, early on, I met with somebody and um, we, we would have a lovely conversation. And because my objection, objective was to be both, you know, expand my network both personally and professionally, I not only would just drill them on, tell me about your job and what do you do? 
and make a very formal information interview. I also want to ask about like, so where do you live and what do you do in your free time? And do you have any advice for me? And, and by doing that, it, it helped build rapport um, a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So at the end of our, um, at the end of my conversation with them, um, and I would always ask two questions or I would do two things. Number one is I would ask, who else do you know that you think I should meet? And because I had done the work of kind of building some rapport um, and asking them kind of like on the spot like that, they would almost always like scan their mental database and say, oh, you know, you should talk to Judy and you should talk to this guy, Bob. And they would immediately just like either give the information or offer to um, introduce me and which was great. And usually it was like two or three people. Um, The other thing I would ask at the end was, um, how can I help you? And oftentimes I could not, I didn't have to necessarily say those words because I've asked them about them personally. It could be that, oh, you know, I, there's this person I'd love to introduce you to, or I read this article and I think you'd be really helpful for this hobby that you do. And so I wanted to show to them that I am also giving back and that I'm trying to, you know, help them um, with, with whatever project that they're working on. So as it is, you know, this, this is how this became exponentially a larger project. So one coffee date could turn into two or three more introductions and then on and on and on. Um, and I wrote a, a blog post about this called um, How I Met New Friends in a New City. And I say in there, I lost count after about 40 cups of coffee. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just meet a bunch of different types of people. And then in the end, um, I did find my new job uh, through a cold LinkedIn outreach. And it was somebody who um, originally was from Cincinnati. And what's, what was great is that by the end, she not only hired me, but we became friends. We actually worked together at two different companies. And now um, we have uh, an accountability partnership. So we talk every week about her project or my project. Um, so it really, it paid lovely dividends. And I'll just say this to close, um, what was really, really satisfying about this entire project, if you will, is after about say six months or so of doing all this like relentless networking, mm-hmm. um, I was super proud to host my own happy hour. And I invited all these people that I had met. And what was super cool is that I was hosting this and I was bringing together all these people that didn't know each other and they were expanding their network. So I was introducing all these people that I knew then, but they didn't know each other. And, it, and they were in turn expanding their network because of my work. So that was super, that was very, very satisfying. That was probably the most satisfying part of the entire journey, if you will. Yeah, it sounds like it. What a great story. I think that's Thank fantastic. You. And kudos to you to just kind of going for it, saying, yeah, oh, done with corporate. I'm going to go explore South America for eight months and, and then I'm going to just move to a completely new state. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it sounds nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. And I I think I just kind of have this like head down, just go for it mentality in the moment. Like, like you're saying, like, I look back and I'm like, that's crazy. (laughs) And I was like, and and I'll be honest, it was tiring. I mean, I didn't have a job, right? So my job was to find a job, mm-hmm. but it was a lot of just effort. And um, I think I'm just the kind of person who just goes project to project to project and I get all into it. Um, but I feel very fortunate because like for the benefit of our conversation, I certainly came away from that with, I've got pointers. Like I could give advice to somebody who wants to expand their network. I've got some advice for you, like from my own 
you know, time in the trenches. Yeah, so. no, that's awesome. I think you've got, obviously you, you shared a ton of tips just in, in that story right there. Um, I love that you hosted your own happy hour that you just yeah. said, here's all the amazing people that I've met in the last six months. And so now I'm going to put them all in one room and let them meet each other. Yeah. I, mean, I bet you just had compliments upon compliments for doing that. Yeah. It was just, it was a kind of like a, this really surreal moment where I kind of stood back and I watched them all mingle. And I was like, this is so awesome. Like, and it was like six months ago, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know any, you know, I didn't know anybody. So, and, and of course, what's great is today, like Portland is, is home, home, home to me because I now have very close connections and very close contacts, both personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. And like to the point I didn't like, you know, I haven't even back, been back to Cincinnati since I moved there. Um, but I think it's like the investment of all this, you know, effort and time. Um, like I have connections here. Like I have, this is my home. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Very cool. Thanks. So you gave some really good questions as examples to kind of wrap up creating these, you know, once you had these one-on-ones with individuals, mm-hmm. what would be a good question or an easy one to ask when opening, opening up that conversation with a, a new person when you're networking? So I, um, so this is a really great question and I have to give kudos to the source of it. Mm-hmm. So I heard, I read an article, um, from, about T- Terry Gross from NPR and she says that she always asks this question at the start of her interviews. And I'm like, this is brilliant. And she says, all she has to say is, so tell me about yourself. Mm-hmm. And what's so brilliant about that question, in my opinion is, and she even acknowledges it, is that it gives the, it puts the onus on the interviewee to share what they want to share. So it's not, you know, I, one of the questions I can't, I, I like, I hate hearing is, so what do you do? Cause it's like, we're not just defined by what we do nine to five Monday through Friday. And so it kind of, it, it's a way for you to hear from um, who you're talking with. What is their passions or what are their biggest priorities? Maybe they talk about family first. Maybe they mm-hmm. talk about um, their hobby. And then that's just an opening to just start digging deeper, digging deeper. And then, you know, it's also important, you know, to be prepared to answer that question too, because eventually they're going to say, and how about you? So thinking about what do I, how do I, what's kind of like my elevator speech? What is, how do I want to present myself? What's most important to me? What defines me? That's awesome. I love it. It's simple and um, it it does put it on them to kind of share what they're comfortable sharing, which is great. Exactly. Fantastic. All right. So I know you shared an amazing story of your transition uh, into the Portland space, but do you mm-hmm. have one specific networking experience that you've had um, that you just just stands out and that you love that you can share with our listeners? Sure. I uh, I will say this. You know, obviously, I, I the I, the work I did paid dividends, and I got a job, and that's great. <clears throat> but I will tell you, um, probably one of the best uh, outcomes of my work. It wasn't actually to my benefit. It was to my husband's. And so when you interact with a whole bunch of people, sooner or later, you're going to run into super connectors. And these are people who are usually like recruiters. Um, They just know everybody. There's this other gal who I met who she, it's like, she's the mayor of Portland. She knows everybody. And so from my connections, one of my first coffee dates, I was introduced to this recruiter. She's, She's not like a traditional recruiter. She does it's, uh, I can't, it's hard to describe, but she just really tapped into a bunch of different, um, 
a bunch of different companies and uh, people. And so she then placed my husband into a startup. And then from that startup, he met a, a whole new network, some people who are, he's very dear friends with now. And of course, like in as startup worlds go, that one eventually fizzled. But one of the founders of that startup then took him to another startup that was a lot more further along that's, you know, done really well. And then just within the past six months or so, the leading industry of uh, leading the leader of his industry came and took a um, purchased a position. And so, and he's in a, so essentially the, the net of it is, is my husband now is in this leadership position of this industry leading company that all started from my networking activities when we first arrived here. That's and awesome. Like, oh, that's so awesome. And so he's now at the pinnacle of his career, which is fabulous. Because of you. <laughs> well, I mean, I went, but it's like, it, it paid, it paid off. It paid off emotionally for having like my friends and my network and stuff, but like financially and his career. Um, so that's, that makes me feel really good that just way, and that's what's so awesome about networking. Way leads on to way, leads on to way, but you got to keep the momentum going. You know, who else should I meet? Who else should I, who else should I talk to? I love it. So besides hosting a happy hour event, um, how do you stay in front of or best nurture all these relationships that you're creating? I systematize it. And, and, and that sounds so kind of silly um, because, you know, with your relationships, it's like, oh, it should be casual and, and, and everything. But I think we live such busy, busy lives. Um, what's right in front of you takes your attention. And if you don't keep up on it, um, time passes on. And when time passes on, the relationship kind of grows stale. And this is both personal and professional. So yep. uh, what I do is I kind of set appointments for myself. And so there, and it all kind of really is dependent on the, the, the relationship that I have. So, you know, like my college roommate, we talk probably once a year, once or twice a year, but then there's other people that I met with in my South America travels and we just really clicked we probably talk maybe once a quarter. And so I just kind of put it in my calendar. Um, and what's great is that, you know, I actually tell my, my people that I'm doing this. So they, and then like, I actually will create a, a, a meeting invite. So there's a sense of joint accountability too. But I just recognize that if you don't have a, a system of discipline in place, just time just keeps on going. And then what happens is you grow, it's like your career consumes you or your personal life or your you know, home life consumes you. And then you wake up 20 years later and you're like, whatever happened? You know, I'm, I'm retired now and where are my friends? And, and they're all kind of strangers. And that, that, it's, that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. And it shouldn't be that, but it takes maintenance. Like, you know, if you're in a relationship, it's like, it takes work. I get that now. It's, mm -hmm. it's effort. Absolutely. I love that. I am a huge advocate for systems and processes and as much as like you said you know it should be an organic relationship but mm -hmm. it, i mean it does take work and mm -hmm. when you're doing work you should have a plan and you should yeah. you know to some extent and but the thing so let me just add this that it it just because it, you know when you say oh i'm going to systematize it and it sounds very administrative it sounds almost cold but it's not but the thing is is you sprinkle in spontaneity you can sprinkle in spontaneity and you should so when i yes i'm going to be talking to my friend once a quarter but then i go to this concert and this actually just happened this past weekend i went to this concert and they played this song that was just like oh i know that tom would love this song 
And I, I snapped the shot because they had like some video in the background. And I just sent a little text to him and said, hey, I'm thinking of you because the song is so perfect. You should check these guys out. And so it's just like, you know, it's kind of like the bonds keep going when you can sprinkle in these things that are spontaneous. And it says, hey, you're on my mind. And that looks like, hey, there's this article I just read that I, that I think it would be really great for your new job. Or, hey, you know, I know that this is a tough time for you because, um, you know, for whatever reason, you know, and I just want to check in and see how things are going. And those things, those little, little tiny, you know, actions of effort, they are the ones that kind of keep the bond strong over mm -hmm. time. And that's easy, right? It's a quick to fire off a quick text or make a phone call, send the birthday card. Um, and that's what people remember, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's, um, I've been trying to practice that myself recently and I've found it to be very rewarding uh, mm -hmm. and positive. And, you know, mm -hmm. if someone pops into my head for some whatever reason, like you said, a song or I read an article or I'm eating a piece of food or something, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, to me, that's my trigger to just ping them, whether it's yeah. a quick text or an email or something that just says, Hey, this made me think of you. And I just wanted to say hi and see how's it, how it's going. I think that's fantastic. I love it. And we don't, and we don't appreciate just how much that benefits that other person, like mm -hmm. how enlightening and like, just can make your day when someone just pops in your inbox and says, Hey, I was just thinking about you. Mm -hmm. Like that's so This could be like the highlight of somebody's day. And it's like, that's just a small gesture you can do to make someone's day. It's like easy peasy, do it. Absolutely. So what advice would you offer the business professional who's looking to grow their network? Well, I would say, um, think about that. Everybody really probably wants to be connected, but that they are either uncertain or they're busy and they're unnerved to make the the first move. So think about just being kind of the, the outlier and just make the first move. People would really appreciate it that you go up and introduce yourself or you, you know, offer something, you know, it's like having a quick chat with a stranger in a coffee shop or whatever. Um, so, you know, I think it's just a matter of just taking some effort and um, even like, for instance, like LinkedIn, and I know that there's so many people and I get this all the time. I'm sure you do too. You just get this very generic LinkedIn request. Like I want to mm -hmm. connect with you. And it's just like drives me bonkers. Cause I'm like, why, why do yep. you want to link it? Well, why do you mm -hmm. want to connect with me? And so what I've been doing least recently is trying to, Hey, I'll try to do it on my end. So they sent me the generic, like, Hey, I'd like to link, I'd like to connect with you. And I'm like, I look at their profile. I'm like, I have no idea why you want to connect with me, but okay. So I say, yeah. And then I said, a no back to them and say, why were you inspired to connect with me? And they just say, like, I've gotten a few of them say, well, LinkedIn recommended we should connect. And there, and there's no, there's no further conversation. And I'm yeah. like, what a missed opportunity because we could, you know, because like, you know, six degrees of separation or mutual interest, if you just dig a little bit below the surface, you'll see that there's some commonality. Mm -hmm. And um, I try to drum it up. Like some guy was like, Oh, I'm, I'm writing this book. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And I'm, but it just fizzles out and I can't, you know, I can't be doing that all the time, but just, I guess the, the simpler answer is make the first move. People will appreciate it. Um, and, and just put some care into it, you know, and, and just kind of do keep digging a little bit more. Um, and hopefully some people will be good takers and you never know where it could go. Yeah. I, I love that. I think it's excellent advice. Um, 
the word busy as much as I'm not a fan of it. It's the reality of the world we live in right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can't just sit back and wait. So why not be the one that that jumps up and and makes the first move? That's fantastic. All right. So we covered this briefly uh, when we started chatting, um, but digital networking or traditional Mm -hmm. networking, which one do you find more value in? What do you think I would say? Traditional. (laughs) I would say that. But as we also talked about, you know, I still live on this planet. I still use technology. So it's probably is a hybrid, but yes, I would lean more on in-person networking. And so I'll give you some examples. Like, yes, it's very efficient to make those initial connections say via LinkedIn or any kind of social media, but like, let's go further than that. Um, But like, say in the workplace, and if you're in a traditional office, it's, you know, you could just be slacking all day long uh, or IMing or emailing or whatever, but think about what would happen if I, if I did a drive-by of your office and I just stopped in, sat down, had a little chat about a business issue, but then naturally it's so easy to have that conversation meander to personal things. And I see on your desk that you are totally into Batman. And I'm like, hey, you know what? <laughs> My kid was Batgirl today for Halloween. Mm-hmm. So it's just, and that's where I think those are where those relationships are formed. And you having in-person conversations and you say, you know, you can, you can read the face that goes with the tone. And um, because I think ultimately, you know, even if it's professional network or professional network, you connect because you connect as humans and on the personal side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, the answer is both. I would say call it a 70-30 or a 60-40 in person, or it's linear. Start with technology, but then somehow, some way, get it offline. And that's a phone call or a drive-by or, you know, let's go meet for coffee. And, but... I think that's, uh, I agree with a lot of that, a lot of what you're saying. Um, the hybrid approach definitely makes the most sense. And uh, it's interesting. Some of the people I interview say start, you start in person and then it kind of migrates online. And, and then sometimes it's the opposite where you're starting online and the goal is to transition that conversation to, to in person. But um, yeah, I think that totally makes sense. And just side note, if you were to come into my office, you would totally see Batman stuff oh, in my office. So, <laughs> oh, so, good. Yeah, you did your homework. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to toss the microphone into your hands now and give you the opportunity to interview me. So what is something that you would like to ask me? Okay. So since I am all gung-ho and excited about connection, social connection, and you are the host of a podcast and you, this is a broadcast medium. Mm-hmm. My question to you is how, how can you, or how do you connect with all these listeners and have in any way possible have some relationship with your listeners? That is a great question. And that is something that I'm actually really intentionally trying to take to the next level currently. Mm -hmm. Um, Locally, when I'm attending in-person events, there's definitely a lot of people that I have face-to-face conversations with when they're saying, oh, I've listened to your episode. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I'm I'm so Mm -hmm. glad you like the podcast. Um, Otherwise, more on that that national level, it's uh, leveraging digital media and it's um, really I'm pushing the messages out there and I, I haven't really been doing a lot of outreach to say, 
hey, let me know what you want to hear or who you'd like me to interview. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are ideas I have in my head, but I, I haven't really maximized um, connecting with my listeners. Yeah. And, and as we kind of get, you know, as we're talking about the whole digital versus in-person, there's an efficiency thing, right? Mm-hmm. So it is, it's, you can't have good, tight, close relationships with everybody, but you'll probably find the gems that come out of the woodwork and say, Lori, oh my gosh, this is so impactful. And, it, and it's like, that's going to be the reward of, you know, the work that you do. Um, when they can kind of tell you the story of what your podcast or even the other work that you do, what kind of impact it had on their business or them personally or anything like that. So, you know, it's kind of like a, a filtering system, right? So you've got all these listeners, all these umpteen listeners out there, but somebody will come through and say, Hey, I just want to tell you how much of an impact that was. And that's where, you know, you'll probably form more of those relationships. And mm-hmm. I'd imagine that's where that feeling of reward comes from. Totally. It's so, it's great to hear that what I'm doing, what I'm pushing out there is, is being received in a pos- in a positive light. So yeah. Um, yeah, that is uh, something on my, my 2020 initiatives are to kind of take it to the next level. So yeah. Good question. Step by step, step by step, step by step. Absolutely. You can't do it all at once. (laughs) Yeah. I I think about that a lot. It's just like, I'm not going to stress out and I just take one day at a time and every day forward is a day of advancement and that's it. That's all I need to know. (laughs) Fantastic. All right, Christina, any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Um, I would just say, you know, remember that almost everybody wants to connect and you making the first step is it pays dividends and people really do appreciate it. So put in a little bit of effort, lean in a little bit, and you'll be really, you'll be really pleased and surprised by what you find. That's great. I love it. Sound advice for sure. If anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way that they can reach you? Oh, they can um, sign on to my blog. It's convoconnection.com. And um, the, what I reference in our conversation, um, I have a blog post titled how I made new friends in a new city. And in that I have, we didn't talk about it in depth here, but I, uh, re- recall seven, uh, tips that I would, if I was sitting next to you and I said, Hey, if you want to expand your network, these are the seven things I would suggest you do. And so that is part of, uh, that blog post. So check that out. All right, great. We will include that information in our show notes and a link specifically to that blog post. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. This is super lovely. It's great. I loved our conversation. Yeah. All right. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Christina for taking the time to connect with us. Join us next week for another great guest as we continue the conversation on networking and building your community. If you need me, send an email to Lori at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.